a few questions to help me and our audience get a better understanding of what you and the rest of the task force does to help drive success, collaboration, and increase market intelligence best practices. Hello, my name is Justin Fleming, and welcome to Between Two Silos. Today, I'm joined by Ernie Peterson, VP of Sales for the Cement Central Region and head of the Market Intelligence Task Force, and Wendy Brown, Business Market Analyst for Cement and member of the Task Force. Today's topic is an introduction to the Market Intelligence Task Force for Cement, so please stick around. Hi, Ernie and Wendy. We're glad you're here. Before we jump in to learn about your roles and work on the Market Intelligence Task Force, tell me a little bit about yourselves. So, Ernie, how long have you been in sales at Ash Grove? Hi, Justin. Uh, I tell you what, it's been 19, it's been since 1990 and uh, wasn't always Ash Grove. I left for a few years there, but I've been back in, since 2002 and uh, just had a multiple Number of roles, sales, district sales manager, regional sales manager, and now VP since 2012. So. Wow. So you've been in sales a while. I've been in sales a while, and that's, uh, uh, I don't want to say all I've done because it seems to be more and more every year, but uh, yeah, it's been great. Awesome. Thank you. And, and Wendy, same question. Uh, how about you? When did you join Ash Grove? I started in 2019, so Ernie has a bit of a head start. Started as an analyst for the South region, and now I'm an analyst for all of Ashgrove, just under the commercial excellence team now. Awesome. And for those that don't know, Wendy is a spreadsheet and PowerPoint wizard. So I'm going to sing gonna your praises in two bit, parts. Thank you. What has been the highlight of your career? And this time we'll go to Wendy first. Highlight feels like a funny word to me, but I really enjoy seemingly mundane challenges. Just your everyday, I need a vast amount of data organized. That's kind of my favorite part of my job. It feels like a highlight to me, even if it might not fit that definition. Hey, it's, it's for you. And I, I am so glad that you have that as a highlight <laughs> because that takes a lot of pressure off the rest of us. I mean, to be fair, I am using an award that I won for sales when I worked in publishing to hold up my video camera right now. So I suppose I should mention that, but it doesn't feel like the highlight of my career. I love it. Ernie, what about you? What's been the highlight of your career? I, I would say, you know, the development of long-term business relationships. It's been an opportunity to meet a lot of people, spend a lot of time with people. Not a lot of companies that take or have the ability to use Portland Cement. So you really get to know, you know, those customers that use Portland Cement. You get to know them well and, you know, them for years and years at a time. I think our slow, steady sales success over the long haul has probably been uh, one of the highlights. And I guess finally, the last two things, I'm on a couple of national boards that I'm proud of, I guess. Um, not everyone would know that, but I'm on the... CP Tech Center Board, Concrete Pavement Technology, and then also now the uh, ACPA, American Concrete Pavement Association 
board and I'll be moving up through the chairs over the next few years to be the chairman. And uh, I'm kind of excited about that. That's awesome. With your, your tenure in the industry, I bet you've had the time to build some really great lifetime friendships and relationships with your customers. And then same with the boards too, and the different associations, having your, your tenure on those, uh, I'm sure they really appreciate your knowledge and your, uh, your commitment to those organizations. Yeah, it's really been great. Good opportunities to meet people and work with large, large number of people over the years. Awesome. So how about outside of work? What do you like to do when you're not working? And Wendy, we'll go back to you again. I like to garden. Uh, living in Florida, we get a lot of opportunities to garden pretty much year round. And I take advantage of it as much as possible. So that's my go-to activity. So, so what is your favorite plant? Oh, Justin, how could I pick? <laughs> I like or, or, or is it seasonal? I mean, you, you flower, you fruit. What do you, what do you like to work with the most, or what are you most proud of? Fruits and herbs. Um, I'm really over tomatoes, but I still like peppers. Uh, I always appreciate when someone has a green thumb because when I buy something from uh, Lowe's or Home Depot. I plant it, it lives for about a week, and then that's the end of my green thumb. Yeah. <laughs> Ernie, how about you? What do you like to do when you're not working? Well, I like to travel. We we uh, we like to go to Florida. My wife's a big golfer, so you know, I'm, in a, I'm in a competitive environment all day, every day. And then on weekends, I get to be in a competitive environment. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I like golf. She loves golf, so that's that's the difference there. So she keeps you on top of your game is what you're saying. Yes, she does. Just. We're here today to talk about market intelligence, specifically the task force created at Ashgrove. So I have a few questions to help me and our audience get a better understanding of what you and the rest of the task force does to help drive success, collaboration, and increase market intelligence best practices. So question number one is going to go to you, Ernie. What is the goal of the Market Intelligence Task Force, and how does the task force support the needs of our commercial teams? Okay, well, it's interesting that we started this task force really as a committee. It was our Market Share and Market Intelligence Committee in 2019. So it continues to evolve, and what we're really trying to do is create tools that can be used for all the sales teams um, you know, what is our market share? What common language do we use amongst uh, the different sales regions? And, you know, coming back to the, the main point of the whole task force is how do we share the market intelligence once we get it? Once we get it ethically, e legally, you know, everything, it's, it's what do we do with that information? Those are our goals to, to find those things and uh, to share amongst all of the teams. That's great. I know we feed a lot of information into that. And so, Ernie, what are some of the key deliverables that have been implemented thus far? Well, definitely market intelligence. We're using the USGS information and uh, pushing information out to our sales regions. We have two main resources for market intelligence. You know, the first is Salesforce, and our reps are very familiar with it now. We continue to use it. It's really more for regional information at this time. And uh, we put in anything that's customer specific. So that's that's something that uh, we're continuing to use. 
The other best practice type of thing is the SharePoint site itself that Wendy's built. And that is going to continue to be a broader market information source. This is, this is where she shines and her expertise is really at the forefront. It's, it's, a, it's a big body of work in terms of what we have available. And uh, we continue to try to fine tune and we might kick out a couple of things and add in other things. And it seems to be working pretty well. So Wendy, tell us about the market intelligence SharePoint site and some of the best practices, forms, and market share reports that you've designed. One of the more common email requests I get from sales is for the most recent Portland Cement Association forecast or their most recent sector analysis or their most fill-in-the-blank report name. So now I just save all of the reports that PCA publishes to our market intelligence site. They have their own folder. And of course, you can still get them in your inbox by subscribing to PCA directly, but it can be difficult to make sure you're using the most up-to-date version. So this makes it easier to see all of the available publications in one place, pick the one you need, you can download it and make use of it. I also participate in a lot of industry webinars just about trending initiatives like CO2 reduction or macroeconomic themes like COVID. And if there's a PowerPoint or a chart that I think our sales teams might find helpful, I post that to the SharePoint site as well. And then it also includes all of the reports that I create using a mix of our internal data and market publications. So that would be like the market share report that Ernie was speaking about. And I would say the big difference there is anything our sales teams are kind of gathering that's uber account specific or price specific, they're probably going to post that information to Salesforce. And that's where it should go. That's a great regional resource for you to talk to your manager about strategies, about picking up an account or competing within your region. But if you want bigger, broader, like United States wide volumes or Wisconsin wide volumes and how they compare to the market, those are the types of resources that I'm going to put onto the SharePoint site. And then you can drill down to that data and see statewide how we're doing or out to see how we compare across the United States. So you're looking at national data down to state data and then possibly county or MSA data, and then you can kind of compare and contrast as needed. Exactly. So how can sales employees access and use this information that you're putting on the SharePoint site? The SharePoint site's on the CRH SharePoint interchange. So that should be one of the first home pages that automatically load when you open a browser on your work computer. You don't need to do anything. That's just how IT has configured all of our computers. So you can search for Ashgrove Cement Market Intelligence and find the SharePoint site. We actually worked with IT and legal to make sure that it's accessible to Ashgrove employees and only Ashgrove employees. So this was important because, as I recently learned from legal, even if the information we publish comes from a public source or it's available through an industry-wide resource like the Portland Cement Association, if we assemble that information for our competitors or we disseminate that information to our competitors, it can still be an antitrust violation, even if they could get it from another readily available source. So that's the most important point to remember with the SharePoint site is because we have some internal competitors within the larger CRH family, 
we have limited access to anyone with an at Ashgrove email address. And you'll want to make sure that that's only who uses those resources. That's how they've been approved. But once you're in the site, all of the files are organized in your typical file folder fashion, the same way you would navigate any document folder on your computer. You're just accessing it in a browser. Well, that's great to know. It sounds like IT's made it fairly easy. We just open the browser, select it. Well, one, don't share it with anybody that shouldn't have access to it, but it sounds like they've done a good job of also restricting that so that nobody can look in that shouldn't. And then everything's organized just like a regular file folder. You just flip through, find what you want to look at, and, uh, and open it up. Exactly. Ernie, what's next for the task force? Can we expect more reports and resources? Yeah, definitely. We're uh, currently finalizing a report right now on capacity and competitor capabilities and imports. Um, we're doing some things with AMAT to help roll out the commercial excellence framework. You're going to be hearing a lot more about that. And, uh, you know, all the things that, that Wendy does, we're going to continue to uh, kind of grow that role. And, and my big thing is to always get the correct information, make sure it's reliable and repeatable. These are all these things that Wendy's got to listen to me talk about, but, and then push that information out. You know, how, how do we get that stuff into our sales team's members' hands? Uh, you know, they're busy. You know, I just think it's a lot easier to get information sent to you than go searching for it. And these are all the things since Wendy is our, Task Force MVP, we look for her uh, expertise and help and all these things, and uh, and we continue to strive to to get better and make it easy to find this information. So, I'm excited excited about the future. That sounds great, and I am too. I look forward to seeing some more of this information. Who should those that are interested contact for more information or with questions about maybe what they're looking for? Easy for me to say, Wendy, <laughs> she can do it all. But I tell you what, contact either one of us. We'd be happy to help. Uh, we like doing this. It's exciting to us. And, uh, you know, we have a, a passion for it. So if you have any questions, please get a hold of me, uh, phone, email, text, whatever. Totally on board. That's, I think this is a living resource and we're constantly updating it. So we'd love any and all feedback. So if someone wanted to share some of this information with a customer, since some of this might be confidential, how should they go about doing that? Maybe check with one of you two first just to make sure what they want to do is okay? That can work. You can also just have a conversation with your manager. I think that there's a lot of our salespeople have some solid practices around sharing information with their customers now. And as long as your manager's kind of approve that process. It doesn't need to change just because you got the resource on the SharePoint site. Um, it's still appropriate for you to go to your manager for advice on those kinds of things, but you can definitely also research to us. Yeah. Couple of questions that I thought of while you guys have been telling me about all this. One, with Salesforce, are we going to customize that to the point where we'll get some of this information on our sales port? Force dashboards? It's a dream of mine, Justin. It's a dream of mine for more of this information to be available on Salesforce and for us to integrate some of our data sources in a way that's 
more helpful even than it is today. So we're always prioritizing making um, kind of unifying different systems to make everybody's lives easier. And in the meantime, though, we don't want to hold anybody up by not having access to the information. So right now we have a couple systems to meet these needs and hopefully in the future we can narrow that scope. That would be great. I, lo I love the uh, the idea of the future. I can have everything integrated one click and just kind of see it all and easy to understand information. Um, another question I have stems from a conversation I had a few weeks ago with a director at Microsoft, and we were talking about AI, that's artificial intelligence and machine learning. And I said, if somebody wants to get into using their data for artificial intelligence, what would he recommend is the first step? And he said, number one, collect the data. So you got to have the data. And then we could, he said, you could use something as simple as, I believe it's Microsoft Azul as a resource to start compiling that data and maybe looking for trends. Have we done anything or want to do anything like that where we're looking at compiling the data and maybe using AI or machine learning to give us some feedback? I would say definitely. I'm not sure I would feel comfortable calling it AI, but any of your systems like SAP or Salesforce or JD Edwards, those are all big data warehouses. And the first step of making use of data is collecting it. And then once you get in there, the reporting tools that are available differ depending on which system you're using, but we can start to look at correlations between different types of customers. So when we take a look at bag customers or ready mix customers or gunite customers, we can start taking a look at those types of trends and we can look at trends across the different types of construction sectors and we'll start to make more data-driven decisions. I think we're not going to ask any AI to meet directly with customers, but we definitely want that data to inform the decisions we make that influence how we interact with customers. Yeah, I think that's uh, the wave of the future, compiling all that data, looking at the trends. Maybe we won't go the, uh, the Terminator or the iRobot route just yet. <laughs> We definitely want to develop systems that don't uh, require monthly manual inputs. That's the other thing. You know, how do we find information that will be useful and, and can flow in? We take that information and kick it back out. That seems to be a challenge, and we're always looking for better ways to do that. Well, that's good to know. It's good to know that you recognize that challenge and you're trying to meet it and overcome it. I know that's a struggle for many business units having to do a lot of that manual data entry and report compiling and things of that nature on weekly, monthly basis. So yeah, having that stuff readily available, ready to go would be uh, a huge time saver for sure. Well, that's all for this episode of Between Two Silos. Thanks for listening and thank you to our guests, Ernie and Wendy, for joining me today. Join us again next time when to hear from other exciting guests on a variety of topics. No need to subscribe to this podcast. They are available through the Ashgrove Academy, so you will never miss an episode. Thank you again for listening.